Hello and welcome to Assertive Radiance. I am your host, Nadia Fleury, and today's episode, How to Reconnect with the Laws of Nature. In 2015, when I was struggling with my life, my marriage, and overall my happiness, I was given the advice to read Napoleon Hill, Outwitting the Devil. Now, five years later, I have to say that the book has changed my outcome in life. And there are some information that I feel it's so important for you to know. At this moment in time, nature has decided for us to recalibrate by asking deep questions. The deep question is basically, are we in alignment with what we meant to be doing? Are we happy or not? And if we are not, what are we willing to do different from this point forward? Nature has given us a new opportunity to redefine ourselves, and it all boils down to how we're going to react or respond to what is going on at this moment. We all have choices, and we all have the ability to create the lifestyle that we desire. It all boils down to our state of mind. This is a moment in time where we're redefining our future. Life as we once knew will never be the same. Think about it for a moment. What if what we called normal was actually an illusion? For example, we assume for the longest time that working for an employer was a guarantee of an income. And today, all that concept has been thrown out of the window. The thing, though, is that something beautiful will manifest out of this ordeal. And my job is to help you have the right tool to cope with the situation. And this is why I feel compelled to share, not from my voice, but from Napoleon Hill's voice. This is why, in this episode, I decided to do something a little different in combining my insights with Napoleon Hill's audiobook, Outwitting the Devil. I decided to use their voices because he's having a conversation with the devil. And for me, when the devil talks, he has this voice of sharing the truth with no embellishment and no, no finesse. It just says it the way it is. And I think right now, Mother Nature is teaching us that we need to face our reality for what the reality is. And there's no more sugarcoating. So we may as well awaken and see the truth for what it is. Today's topic is about laws of nature. And the information I want to release is on chapter 12. To be mindful of the time, I will only share a portion of it. However, to do true justice to the information, I invite you to either read the book or download the audiobook. And what I want to address is how important is our environment in today's time, considering what is going on. In chapter 12, he talks about how epidemics start. Another thing I want to bring to your attention is a term that he uses throughout the book, which is hypnotic rhythm. Hypnotic rhythm is the same as the law of compensation, meaning that the more of one thing that you do over and over, the better at it you will get. So basically, if you choose to learn to play a musical instrument, and the more you practice, the better you will get good at it. 
However, if you take the habit of complaining and be negative, well, you get, you're going to get good at doing that. So hypnotic rhythm happens regardless. It is either negative or positive, but you cannot stop that hypnotic rhythm. And it's closely linked to the law of gestation. For example, a child takes nine months from its creation to birth. A tree, like an oak tree, may take 100 years before it grows to maturity. And without further ado, here is Napoleon Hill, Chapter 12, Environment, Time, Harmony, and Caution. The next principle is environmental influence. Go ahead and describe the working principle of environmental influences as a determining factor in human destinies. Environment consists of all the mental, spiritual, and physical forces which affect and influence human beings. What connection, if any, is there between environmental influences and hypnotic rhythm? Hypnotic rhythm solidifies and makes permanent the thought habits of human beings. Thought habits are stimulated by environmental influences. In other words, the material on which thoughts are fed comes from one's environment. Thought habits are made permanent by hypnotic rhythm. What is the most important part of one's environment, the part which determines, more than all others, whether an individual makes positive or negative use of his mind? The most important part of one's environment is that created by his association with others. All people absorb and take over, either consciously or unconsciously, the thought habits of those with whom they associate closely. Do you mean by this that constant association with a person whose thought habits are negative influences one to form negative thought habits? Yes. The law of hypnotic rhythm forces every human being to form thought habits which harmonize with the dominating influences of his environment, particularly that part of his environment created by his association with other minds. Then it is important that one select one's close associates with great care. Yes. One's intimate associate should be chosen with as much care as one chooses the food with which he feeds his body, with the object always of associating with people whose dominating thoughts are positive, friendly, and harmonious. Which class of associates has the greatest influence upon one? One's partner in marriage and in the home, and one's associates in his occupation. After that come close friends and acquaintances. Casual acquaintances and strangers have but little influence on one. Why does one's partner in marriage have so great an influence upon one's mind? Because the relationship of marriage brings people under the influence of spiritual forces of such weight that they become dominating forces of the mind. How may environmental influences be used to break the grip of hypnotic rhythm? All influences which establish thought habits are given permanency through the law of hypnotic rhythm. One may change the influences of his environment so that the dominating influences are either positive or negative, and the law of hypnotic rhythm will make them permanent unless they are changed through one's habits of thought. Stating this truth in another way, one may submit himself to any environmental influence desired, whether positive or negative, and the law of hypnotic rhythm will make the influence permanent when it assumes the magnitude of thought habit. Is that the way the law works? That is correct. Be careful of all forces which inspire thought. Those are the forces which constitute environment and determine the nature of one's earthly destiny. What class of people controls their environmental influences? The non-drifters. 
All who are victims of the habit of drifting forfeit their power to choose their own environment. They become the victims of every negative influence of their environment. Is there no way out for the drifter? Is there no method by which he may submit himself to the influence of a positive environment? Yes, there is a way out for drifters. They can stop drifting, take possession of their own minds, and choose an environment which inspires positive thought. This they may accomplish through definiteness of purpose. Is that all there is to the act of eliminating the habit of drifting? Is the habit only a state of mind? Drifting is nothing but a negative state of mind, a state of mind conspicuous by its emptiness of purpose. What effective procedure may one follow in establishing an environment most helpful in developing and maintaining positive thought habits? The most effective of all environments is that which may be created by a friendly alliance of a group of people who will obligate themselves to assist one another in achieving the object of some definite purpose. This sort of an alliance is known as a mastermind. Through its operation, one may associate himself with carefully chosen individuals, each of whom brings to the alliance some knowledge, experience, education, plan, or idea suited to his needs in carrying out the object of his definite purpose. The most successful leaders in all walks of life avail themselves of this sort of made-to-order environmental influence. Outstanding achievement is impossible without the friendly cooperation of others. Stating the truth in another way, successful people must control their environment, thereby ensuring themselves against the influence of a negative environment. What of people whose duty to relatives makes it impossible for them to avoid the influence of a negative environment? No human being owes another any degree of duty which robs him of his privilege of building his thought habits in a positive environment. On the other hand, every human being is duty-bound to himself to remove from his environment every influence which even remotely tends to develop negative thought habits. Isn't this a cold-blooded philosophy? Only the strong survive. No one can be strong without removing himself from all influences which develop negative thought habits. Negative thought habits result in the loss of the privilege of self-determination, no matter what or who may cause those habits. Positive thought habits may be controlled by the individual and made to serve his aims and purposes. Negative thought habits control the individual and deprive him of the privilege of self-determination. I deduce from all you've said that those who control the environmental influences out of which their thought habits are built are masters of their earthly destinies and that all others are mastered by earthly destinies. Is that stating the matter correctly? Perfectly stated. I want to add something here that was mentioned prior in the book that obviously, since I'm only talking about chapter 12, you haven't read the rest of the book. The author is discussing the difference between a drifter and a non-drifter. And drifting mixed with the hypnotic rhythm, it's kind of like creating a vortex where you get drawn in into always drifting further away from anything you wish in life. In my opinion, the first step to stop drifting and take possession of your own mind is to become responsible for your life and your life choices. And it also means to become responsible for the environment around you. Now, let's continue on with the book. What establishes one's thought habits? All habits are established because of inherent or acquired desires or motives. That is... Habits are begun as the result of some form of definite desire. 
what takes place in the physical brain while one is forming thought habits. Desires are organized impulses of energy, called thoughts. Desires that are mixed with emotional feeling magnetize the brain cells in which they are stored and prepare those cells to be taken over and directed by the law of hypnotic rhythm. When any thought appears in the brain or is created there, and is mixed with keen emotional feeling of desire, the law of hypnotic rhythm begins at once to translate it into its physical counterpart. Dominating thoughts, which are acted upon first by the law of hypnotic rhythm, are those with which are mixed the strongest desires and the most intense feelings. Thought habits are established by the repetition of the same thoughts. What are the most impelling basic motives or desires which inspire thought action? The ten most common motives, those which inspire most of one's physical action, are these. The desire for sex expression and love. The desire for physical food. The desire for spiritual, mental, and physical self-expression. The desire for perpetuation of life after death. The desire for power over others. The desire for material wealth. The desire for knowledge. The desire to imitate others. The desire to excel others. The seven basic fears. These are the dominating motives which inspire the majority of all human endeavors. What about the negative desires, such as greed, envy, avarice, jealousy, anger? Are these not expressed more often than any of the positive desires? All negative desires are nothing but frustrations of positive desires. They are inspired by some form of defeat, failure, or neglect by human beings to adapt themselves to nature's laws in a positive way. Hmm, that's a new slant on the subject of negative thoughts. If I correctly understand what you have said... All negative thoughts are inspired by one's neglect or failure to adapt oneself harmoniously to nature's laws. Is that correct? That is exactly correct. Nature will not tolerate idleness or vacuums of any sort. All space must be and is filled with something. Everything in existence, of both a physical and a spiritual nature, must be and is constantly in motion. The human brain is no exception. It was created to receive, organize, specialize, and express the power of thought. When the individual does not use the brain for the expression of positive, creative thoughts, nature fills the vacuum by forcing the brain to act upon negative thoughts. There can be no idleness in the brain. Understand this principle, and you will come into a new and important understanding of the part environmental influences take in the lives of human beings. You will better understand also how the law of hypnotic rhythm operates, it being the law which keeps everything and everyone constantly moving through some form of expression of either negative or positive principles. Nature is not interested in morals as such. She is not interested in right and wrong. She is not interested in justice and injustice. She is interested only in forcing everything to express action according to its nature. That is an enlightening interpretation of nature's ways. To whom may I turn for corroboration of your claims? To men of science, to the philosophers, to all accurate thinkers. Lastly, to the physical manifestations of nature herself. Nature has no such thing as dead matter. Every atom of matter is constantly in a state of motion. All energy is constantly in motion. There are no dead voids anywhere. Time and space are literally manifestations of motion of such swiftness that it cannot be measured by human beings. 
Alas, one is forced to the conclusion from what you say that the sources of dependable knowledge are shockingly limited. The developed sources of knowledge are limited. Every normal adult human brain is a potential gateway to all the knowledge there is throughout the universes. Every normal adult brain has within its mechanism the possibility of direct communication with infinite intelligence, wherein exists all the knowledge that is or can ever be. Your statement leads me to believe that human beings may become all they have attributed to what they call God. Is that what you mean? Through the law of evolution, the human brain is being perfected to communicate at will with infinite intelligence. The perfection will come through organized development of the brain, through its adaptation to nature's laws. Time is the factor which will bring perfection. What causes cycles of recurring events such as epidemics of disease, business depressions, wars, and crime waves? All such epidemics in which great numbers of people are similarly affected are caused by the law of hypnotic rhythm, through which nature consolidates thoughts of a similar nature and causes those thoughts to be expressed through mass action. Then the Great Depression was put into motion because great numbers of people were influenced to release thoughts of fear. Is that correct? Perfectly. Millions of people were endeavoring to get something for nothing through stock gambling. When they suddenly discovered they had gotten nothing for something, they became frightened, rushed to their banks to draw out their balances, and the panic was on. Through mass thought of millions of minds, all thinking in terms of fear of poverty, the depression was prolonged over a period of years. Something I haven't mentioned that the author talks about is the seven basic fears, which are fear of poverty, which mean not having money to pay your bills, fear of criticism, which is basically being afraid of what people might say or think of you if you do or say something, the fear of ill health, and this is what we are experiencing right now, is we are afraid to be sick with the, the coronavirus. There's also the fear of loss of love of someone. This means to lose someone we love very much. Again, it can be through the crisis that we are experiencing right now or in any other situation. We also fear of old age and fear of death. Again, the fear of death is something we are talking about right now. And the seventh fear is the fear of losing either your liberty or freedom. This is at the core of what is going on right now. In this moment in time, Mother Nature is giving all of us an opportunity to step back and to assess our life. And this is the part as to why I'm bringing this whole information to you. As I've described in the past, you may have been stuck for a while in the wheel of sameness, that Ferris wheel that takes you nowhere. And now that the company says, hey, you have to stay home, it gives you a time to start assessing for yourself. All the stuff that you may have put under the rug and feel like you didn't want to deal with. And now you actually can deal with them. Of course, it will take a lot of courage to be willing to look deeper and do something about it. The thing, though, is that, and I can talk from experience in that, is that when you address your situation, when you become responsible for your action and your outcomes, happiness is exactly on the other side of taking that responsibility. So as soon as you open up the door 
to say I want more of life, suddenly everything opens up, including feeling more fulfilled in life and achieving happiness and better health. I know firsthand that right now it probably feels really scary for you to even dare thinking in in the sense of wanting to expand or achieve more or or stop drifting the way the the in the way the book talks about. The thing though is that you only have one life to live. And it's up to you how you choose to live your life. And I truly believe that if you are here right now, listening to this message, it's because you were meant to hear it. It is very challenging to go through this alone. And I want you to know that you are not alone. That I've been there, and also Napoleon Hill has been there. It is true having this conversation with the devil that Napoleon Hill awakened from his own depression. Everybody in this world will go through hardship. How you choose to deal with the hardship will determine your outcome in life. At this moment, we have to make decision one way or another because our life will never be the same. And the challenge is to make sound and wise decision. And it's impossible to actually think accurately when we let the fear set in in our mind. The most effective way that I have experienced in calming yourself down is through breathing deeply into your belly. Also, my other advice is to seek meditation over medication. I hope this episode was helpful. I thank you so much for listening and you have a fabulous day. Are you feeling stuck, unsupported and unhappy? How about pressing reset on your past and invite newness in your life by joining a Mastermind Alliance, where together we will create your future reality. Living in the unknown is not easy, however essential to break free from your past. And this is why I am offering this opportunity to connect by scheduling a free 30-minute consultation. Simply type on your web browser bit.ly forward slash call Nadia and choose a date that will work best with your schedule. And I look forward to talking with you soon.